0: Episode 95, The Ark of the Covenant and the Fear of the Lord. Can you remember a good ways back when we said there was a few things you just don't mess around with in the Old Testament? It was the sacrifices of God and the Ark of the Covenant. Well, the same holds true in this episode even in the time of David, who was a picture of the grace of Jesus Christ. Now David is solidly king in Jerusalem. And he's built up the defenses of Jerusalem and built a palace. And he has very confidently defeated a coalition of nations headed by the Philistines. And not to leave God out of his blessings, he assembles Israel to go and get the Ark of the Covenant, which is rested in a town in Judah. But in the process, David makes a fatal error, and we see the spirit of the fear of the Lord at work in the land. Have you ever considered the bigness of God? His attributes are so vast and numerous, we can hardly describe them. And His character is so glorious. And because of this vastness, parts of His character seem so different. Take two concepts, the fear of the Lord and the grace of God. They seem like complete bipolar opposites. But they are both attributes of God. Take the fear of the Lord from Moses at Mount Sinai. And the terrifying fear at the base of the mountain that scared the people away. And compare it to the grace of God present in the father's role in the parable of the prodigal son. They seem totally different. But they are both godly attributes and his character all in one. Have you ever considered how God likes opposites? Jesus' character is so countercultural. His kingdom is called the upside-down kingdom. Going further, how about the character of Jesus in Matthew 5, of humility, meekness, and mercy, compared to the Father God character of Isaiah 11, of might, wisdom, and the fear of the Lord? They seem so different, but they're one and the same. How about when Jesus comes the first time as a lamb to be slain for the world, compared to his return as the conquering lion at the end of the age? The lion and the lamb, it's the same Jesus. I try to keep this in mind as I try to get my brain around stories like this scene with Uzzah and the ark, and other stories going all the way back to the book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira. We talked about this before, when there appears to be biblical contradictions in the Bible. It's not an area to sit and get offended, but for the hungry, if we dig further, we find hidden truths. When David goes to get the ark of God, you can break it into three scenes the tragedy and error of the first attempt, the second attempt, and the eternal reward. So when there is an apparent contradiction, there is a hidden truth and a great reward for those who persist. In this episode, we're going to cover the first attempt and the tragedy that befell the man of God, David. Here it goes, Second Samuel 6. David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000, he and all his men went to Bala in Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who was enthroned between the cherub on the Ark. They set the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahiah, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the Ark of God on it, and Ahiah was walking in front of it. David and all of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. Alright, so we got to pause here. The ark has been at Abinadab's house for ages, ever since it's arrived here, from its adventure through Philistia in the time of Samuel. For more on this, head back and listen to episode 60. I mean, we've come almost thirty five episodes since this ark parked itself at Abinadab's house. There was some some movement in between, but it's generally stayed at Abinadab's house. So if you want to go back and head back there, it's easier to go the website and look for Episode sixty under Samuel. It was over ninety years ago when the Ark was first placed in Abinadab's house. Now there was a moment or two when Saul took it on campaign at a 20-year mark, but it ended up back in Abinadab's house. Abinadab was a Levite, and at this point, he had to be like 110 years old or more. Unless it is a hereditary name, Abinadab, and his sons got his father's name, or the reference to him is more of a family reference. But hey, if it was the original Abinadab, maybe the ark in someone's household gave him longer life. That would be pretty cool but we don't know for sure. I guess it is possible considering Moses lived till he was 120 and he ministered in the tabernacle and met God face to face in the tent of meeting. On to Abinadab's sons. He had two sons, Ahiah and Uzzah. The name Uzzah means strength, and if we need context for this episode, we'll be talking here about the strength of man. So check out the party. David was throwing 30,000 men worshiping and dancing in front of the ark. What a worship party. This was no light-hearted worship party, and it must have been incredible. Also, the ark was placed on a cart like the Philistines did. It was not on the shoulders of the Levites as required by God. So we have a giant party and procession. David's in the lead dancing, and they're headed through a town headed to Jerusalem. The account continues, 2 Samuel 6, 6. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God, because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of this irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah, and to this day that place is called Paras-Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with them in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obadidim, the Gittite. The Ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obadiah the Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Yep, you heard it correctly. I mean, talk about shock vacuum. The Lord struck down Uzzah for touching the Ark. Again, you just don't mess with the Ark and the sacrifices in the Old Testament. According to the Law of Moses, the Ark was supposed to be never literally touched, but only carried with poles. So when Uzzah who grew up with the ark in his household touched it he died just like those in Philistine and those in Beshshemesh who looked in the ark unlawfully but being honest here this account challenges me because we have an added benefit of looking back in time with the eyes of grace and times like this are hard to understand so for this reason I've scoured commentaries that I can find. I've read or listened to eight different commentaries, and six of them from the Blue Letter Bible app on the iPhone. Those are actually audio commentaries to get some fresh extra data to share with you. A few of them had some fresh insights. I'll share them with you. I like what old-timer Ray Stedman said, We should never confuse God's will with His way. Isn't that good? It was God's will for David to have the ark, but it was not God's way. We'll conclude this episode with this point. Bob Davis had some good insights as well. He said the ends don't justify the means. We should never do the right thing, but the wrong way. So David was in the right by pursuing the ark, but he failed to inquire of God as the means of his action. He was completely reliant upon God in the battles previously, but in the case of the Ark, he was careless and someone paid the price. To conclude this episode, a message to Kings. I want to tell a personal story and come back to Ray Steadman's remarks. About three years back, I was pondering this scene because it was eaten at me. I wasn't bothered as much about Uzzah dying as much as the fact that David and his worship and relationship had exceeded the Old Testament understanding of God. After all, God could have killed him back when he ate the showbread a while back. I seriously doubt if God would have killed David if he touched the ark, because his relationship and love and grace for David was so much greater than the law of Moses. Why Uzzah and not David? And along this line of thinking... I was at a neighbor's bar mitzvah, and I had a moment alone with the rabbi, and we talked about the Bible, and had a great time, and I asked him why David was able to eat the showbread back before the chaos at Nob. His answer astonished me, and I believe it was right on. He said, there must have been a special grace on David. In the next episode, we will clearly see this special grace accelerate, despite this awful mistake, and the lack of grace apparent at the moment. So this account challenges me, and it really should challenge you as well. I compare it to a family scene we had a few years ago. We decided to have a worship night in our home, And Janelle and I would worship and the girls would dance and and do whatever they do. And it was winter and we had a fire going in our fireplace. My five-year-old at the time lost her footing and was fooling around, flipping around, and was flung towards the fireplace. Fortunately, we have glass covering the fireplace, but she went hands first into the glass. She ended up okay, but her hands were in pretty bad shape for a few days. Fire creates a tremendous amount of heat. It is the general physical properties of fire. Despite the positives of fire and the warmth it brings to a house, we have a lot of respect for fire because we know it's dangerous and harmful, and we cannot be careless around any fire. It was the same in this account with David. There was physical rules set in place by God to prevent men from harming themselves with something as powerful as, yet dangerous as the Ark of the Covenant. Men always should take heed when God blesses us, but provides warnings as to the extent of the use and purposes of these blessings. The Ark was God's presence and power, but no one was to touch the Ark. So to wrap this up, Ray Steadman said, We should never confuse God's will with His way. Uza means strength. When the oxen stumbled, Uzzah in his own strength, in the strength of man, in the ignorant strength of the flesh, reached out to help the God of the universe. Bad move, Uzzah. David takes the blame as their leader, for he was in God's will, but his method and way was wrong. The carrying of the Ark of the Covenant was a type and picture of the presence of God being carried but more or less hovering over the priest of God. In fact, there is the truth of the new covenant hidden here, that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the believers is the priest carrying the ark of God's presence into life today. When David chose to have an ark on a cart, he broke the type and shadow that the Levites presented by carrying the ark. And just like Moses, who received a harsh punishment for the speaking to the rock instead of hitting of the rock, which broke a God-designed type and shadow, David did the same thing by placing the ark on a cart. Maybe we should add breaking God's type and shadows to the list of things you don't mess with in the Bible. Maybe our list should now be, you really don't mess with the sacrifices of God, the Ark of the Covenant, and God's types and shadows. Rounding this out even more, where in your life do you have this challenge? You're in God's will, and you know His will for you, but you are lacking the way to perform what He wants of you. The answer lies in the way you achieve His will. This only comes through relationship with Jesus. Ask and you will receive. It's promised. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. He has the perfect will and way for your life. Ask, seek, and knock, and you will receive, find, and the door will be opened to you. Proverbs 16.3 Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. Plans can be explained as the way or method. David failed to commit his plans to the Lord, and it was not a success. But we can be guaranteed that he will go about it a very different way next time. So if you've made mistakes, and there is collateral damage in your life, just like David, pull back and look at everything again. Pray about it, and determine not just the will of God in the situation, but the way and the actions that are required for this to be a success. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as we see what David does after this disaster. Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com, and leave a comment or question, or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.